Well, we're over halfway through the book of Deuteronomy, continuing our chapter by chapter, march through the Old Testament. And we are in chapter 18 this evening. And if you remember last week, we started in chapters 17 and 18, this discussion between laws for kings, which was mostly last week, and then priests and prophets. So today we're going to be talking about priests and prophets, uh, more specifically, the prophet with a capital P. So be looking for that. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, and we're going to jump right into verses 1 through 5. Lord, we thank you so much, as we were praying earlier, Lord, just for who you are, and for gathering us together to, to pray, Lord, to worship, and to read, to, to learn from you, to receive from you. And we do pray once again that you would empower the teaching of your word this evening, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read together, shall we? Verses 1 through 5, the priests... The Levites, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he said to them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, whether it is a bull or a sheep, they shall give to the priest the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain and your new wine and your oil, and the first of the fleece of your sheep. You shall give him. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. Well, I got to be telling you, I'm just a little selfish when I read this. I'm like, man, what would it be? Just completely dedicated to serving the Lord. In its context, here in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses is giving the commandment or reiterating the commandment to the nation of Israel that the Levites cannot own property. They can't own territory. They can't have ranches and farms. They are to be 100% dedicated to the serving in the temple um, they have different tribes, and within those different tribes, or I should say families within the tribe of Levi, if you remember, we talked about Kohath, for example, and all the different families had different roles, the furniture, the tapestries, the, the coverings, the, the poles, the rings, they all had different jobs. If you want to go back to Leviticus, we had a long and fun study on all the different jobs, but that's all they were to be dedicated to. They weren't to be dedicated to anything else. And so here's a reminder to the people of Israel, you should be giving of your very best. They get a piece of your offerings to me. And there's some spiritual principles and there's some practical applications here. But I also want to do some extra credit here because this is not ultimately what God wanted for the nation of Israel. What did God want? In Exodus we saw that the Lord wanted Israel to be a kingdom of priests, to be a nation of priests. He didn't want just the Levites. Imagine if all of Israel had followed after the Lord and not compromised there with the golden calf. They would have all had this calling. They would have all just solely been dedicated to him. How would he have provided? Well, we know he could do it miraculously like he did through the desert. So I find that fascinating to think about. Because then if I take that same conviction, like, man, I want to be a full-time teaching pastor just to be completely dedicated to the things of God all the time. But then I remember, I do remember, that is an awesome blessing. But you know that the Bible says that 
we are a kingdom of priests. In 1 Peter chapter 2, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as much as I would like to uh, start, as they, they say in the circles, fleecing the flock and blaming everyone for why we don't have full-time pastor, no, no, that's not biblical. What is the biblical? What do we do that is not spiritual? Being filled with the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, each and every one of us. We are called this holy nation. We're all to be dedicated to, life, to God in our lives. The Bible tells us clearly that we're to do all things as unto the Lord. So everything that we do is a service to the Lord. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, there's a couple of things I do that's not a service to the Lord. Well, then knock it out. Stop that. But we should be completely dedicated to the Lord in all that we do, not just in coming to church, not just in teaching or receiving sermons or praying or worshiping. We should have that mindset. In Exodus 19.6, God told them they wanted to be a kingdom of priests, but they, they fell through sin. Who would become the great high priest, Aaron, fashioned that golden calf, and they worshipped it. And remember, Moses came down the mountain. What did he do? Threw the stones. The law was broken. There's no way back up the mountain aside from Jesus Christ. And so we see the, the degeneration as they continue to break the law, but they're not able to reconcile with the Lord. God had to come to them. God had to make them new tablets. God had to tell Moses that I'm going to stay my wrath for a time. How was he able to do that? Because of his, the future hope that they had in Christ. That is our present hope. They were looking forward to what we have received, which is the grace of God, the righteousness of God through the shedding of his own son's blood. And so we need to have the same mentality. That's the practical application. We need to live our lives dedicated to the Lord. And that's what the Holy Spirit writing through Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, that we are to be living sacrifices not Sunday morning sacrifices, not Wednesday night sacrifices, living sacrifices, our whole lives to be given to the Lord. And so let's, let's do that. It says here that they're to give the first fruits, the best sacrifices. Remember that from the last chapter? Last week we were talking about how there was a, a commandment not to give the lame not to give the blind, not to give the broken animals. They were to give the best, the, the perfect. And that was a type of the Lord. I shared with you verses in the Old Testament from Malachi that was one of the biggest criticisms at that later generation. They were giving their off goods to the Lord, you know, keeping the best for themselves. There's a spiritual application to us as, as well. Are you giving the Lord the best of your time? Are you giving him the best portion of your day? Or who are you saving that strength for? Is it for work? Is it for pleasure? Is it for a TV show? Or is it for some kind of entertainment or a hobby? Are you giving him the best? Are you giving him the best of your, your worship? Are you giving him the best of, of, yes, your finances? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The question is, if we are a kingdom of priests, how are the priests doing? Nobody gets criticized more than a pastor 
by Christian and non-Christian alike. Do you know anybody that gets criticized more than a pastor? But I'm saying, biblically speaking, we are all servants of the Lord. We are all a kingdom of priests. And so how do you, how do you um, hold up under that same criticism? Are you, are you passing the test? And then far more important than our own opinions is, so what does the Lord think about you as a servant of the Lord? All things to think about. So we're not done talking about the priest, though. Let's read verses 6 and 8. So if a Levite comes from any of your gates, from where he dwells among all Israel, and comes with all the desire of his mind to the place which the Lord chooses, then he may serve in the name of the Lord his God, as all his brethren the Levites do, who stand there before the Lord. Verse 8. They shall be equal portions to eat. They shall have equal portions to eat besides what comes from the sale of his inheritance. I mean, this is just beautiful. This text just jumps out to me. And he comes with all the desire of his mind to the place which the Lord chooses. All the desire of his mind. Imagine your life. What would our lives, what would our church be like? What would our community be like? What would our families, our homes, our own mental thoughts be like if we came to God with all the desire of our mind? Every thought, everything that we could do, everything we could muster is on how can I know God more? You know, on Sundays we talk about knowing the deep things of God and that we know the deep things of God through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Now, I know some, some gentlemen in my life that can tell you the starting lineup of the offensive line of the 1979 Pittsburgh Steelers. They know their height, their size, what numbers they wore, what jerseys they were, what other teams they were on, what high school they went to, what university they were at. I mean, they can start naming it like this. But when you start asking them the things of God... Suddenly, because I'm not afraid of being a little brutal sometimes, they're blithering idiots all of a sudden. It's like, oh, yes, uh, Jesus, love, the Bible, yes, I like those things. They want to stare me in the face and tell me they can't get the Bible, but they're able to tell me that in the 1983 Chevy fill-in-the-blank has this much horsepower, this particular model, has this kind of tranny with this kind of tire became because of, of a certain factory that shut down for six months so that they had a different axle on the thing. And they want to say, oh, yeah, but I don't, I don't know how many books are in the Bible. Well, imagine if we put all that, all the desire of the mind on the Lord, what would, the, what would our lives be like? And then what does it also say here? This is just as important. The place in the place that the Lord chooses. You know, we joke about this in my house every once in a while. But if you had rolled back the clock 16 years ago to when Megan and I first met, and somebody had come up to me and said, you know, in the year 2022, you're going to be a pastor in South Carolina. I would have died laughing. I would have rolled on the floor laughing. But this is the place that the Lord chose. So we need to be where the Lord chooses. The Bible tells in the book of Proverbs, a man prepares his path, but the Lord directs his steps. So we need to have our plans. We need to be prepared. We need to be wise. 
But at the same time, we need to go wherever the Lord tells us to go, when the Lord tells us to do it. And when we go there, we need to bring all the desire of our mind on him. Lord, I just want more of you. Here at Calvary Chapel Low Country, this is not the Bible part. This is just us talking in our family. We don't, we don't want to teach, encourage, or, or even insinuate to anyone that it's ever about a position, it's ever about an organization, it's ever about building this organization, that it's ever about being more efficient or more popular or anything. We want to stoke a singular flame. That is a personal desire to know God through his word, through worship and fellowship. Everything else is just extra. We want to stoke a personal relationship with God. And if, if somebody comes in here with just an ember, we want to blow on it and protect it. If somebody comes in here and they're already on fire for the Lord, we want to take big, thick logs and we want to lay it right on top of there. That's what we want. And I just saw that in a perfect alignment. We want to be where the Lord wants us to be, and we want to just bring our heart's desire. Because what did it say there in verse 5? For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. So, going to verse 6, if a Levite comes from any of your gates where he dwells among all Israel and comes with all desire of his mind to the place which the Lord chooses, then he may serve in the name of the Lord his God as all his brethren the Levites do who stand there before the Lord. We're going to be changing subjects here, so I just want to have a final, a final statement. To be a servant of God in any capacity, but especially in pastoral ministry, is the highest calling a man can have on the face of the earth. The highest calling that a human being can have is to speak for, encourage, and bring people to the Lord. Not a doctor, not a general, not any of the most prestigious professions that you can think of come close to speaking for the true and the living God. And how the, the name of being a pastor became a byword, how it became a laughing stop, that's, that's irrelevant to me. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And when I'm in the presence of the Lord, there will be thousands among thousands upon thousands upon millions of saints worshiping at the throne. And those of us that chose to serve the king, what higher calling will they have? No, they're not going to be like, oh, doctors up front. Generals up front, oh, actors, movie stars, politicians to the front. Nope. Let's continue before I really start going off. Nine Verses 9 through 14. Again, we're going to have a, a subject change now. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall be not found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerers or one who conjures spells or mediums or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead for all do these things for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord and because of these abominations the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Verse 13, 
You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. And there's nothing new under the sun. This same stuff is happening today. They have different names. They put different labels. They repackage the same garbage, and then they sell it. And, and we're dealing with the same stuff today. Number one there, it's, will not be found among any one of you who allows his daughter or son to pass through the fire. That is talking about the sacrifice to Molech. They would take their infant children. Um, they would go down in the valley of Megiddo. They would have these molten, these huge statues of Molech. He'd have a hand, his hands out in a bowl. They'd put a huge fire on it until it was molten lot, and they would place their children in there. And then as they screamed and cried, they would sing their chants to their God. They were trying to buy off their God. It is demonic. We do it instead in a clinic behind closed doors, and we, we call it sterilized, and we call it a right, a human right. That is incorrect. It is not biblical. Let it not be said among the Christians. But in the book of Deuteronomy, why do they have to write this? Why is it in our human hearts that this is even a thing that we have to write about? Because it will not take very long, and the nation of Israel will do this very thing. And they will, it'll be known among them. And the prophets, which we'll talk about prophets in a little bit, will be constantly telling them, stop it. All right, what else do we got? We got one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer's, or one who conjures spells, a medium, or a spiritist, or calls up the dead. We'll talk about spiritists, mediums, and calling up the dead, but what about witchcraft. There is no white magic. There is no black magic. There is only demonic magic. So magic itself, human beings have no power over the spirit realm. None. So who is in control? Either the Holy Spirit is in control, those that are believers, because greater is he that is in you than is in the world. You cannot be demon-possessed. You cannot be taken over, because who can move God out of the way? No one. So the believer is safe. But what do we know from Ephesians? We know that the fiery darts of the wicked one, there can be spiritual uh, attacks. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But what about black magic? There are demons, fallen creatures. We see that in the Gospels. Jesus dealt with them uh, on various occasions. The most important things we can do as Christians is be like Christ. Christ never went out of his way to magnify them. He never went out of his way to give them any attention. All attention should be given to the Lord. The best way to, spy, to fight um, spiritual darkness is to ignore it. Satan just wants to uh, take any attention off the Lord. Second, the Bible says if you resist in the name of Jesus Christ, the enemy will flee. So his name has power. So there should be, there should be no power over us in the demonic realm. So that, that being said... I will tell you right now, in the 21st century, America, at least the Western world, I will not say this about um, major portions of Africa, the Orient, the Caribbean, South America. There are, um, gosh, i got too many stories from different places. But here, majority of it is fake, it's made up, it's marketing, it's about selling stuff. So there's, there's nothing there. Um, I will tell one side story, because I can't help myself. I remember I was working in California. I was a, a county road worker, and we were working on the, this, this road in the back valley of San Ynez. And um, 
I went to get, I went off the road a little bit. I took a trail to some trees to take a break for a minute. And it was up on a hill and it had these big oak trees around and there was all kinds of broken glass everywhere. I go, that's kind of weird that they would be drinking up here. And then all of a sudden I started finding all these chicken feathers and bones. And then I, I, I'm seeing stuff hanging in the trees and I'm like, what kind of movie nonsense is this? And I'm ready to get out of there. So I'm just like, I go back to the truck. Well, I got a couple of guys there and I'm telling them what I found. I got man, up there, they either had a weird chicken party or they got something crazy. And they said there's a group in Mexico that they, um, and I don't want to name names or cultures or anything because I, I, I won't even get it right. But when the sun comes up at certain times of year, they sacrifice these animals for good luck. And that's part of a, um, so, some witchcraft that they do. And it's just there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. And I just kind of chuckled and went back to work because I'm sealed with the blood of Jesus. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, nothing can touch me. So we see those things are happening even to this day. Don't play with it. Don't act like it's funny. You know, don't encourage it. Do we want to go to the extreme? You know, in the early 2000s, Christian homes were divided. There was a civil war about whether or not you could watch that stupid uh, witch movie with the kid in it. Who cares? Don't name it. Who cares? People are going to fight each other in here. And you had the ones that, oh, you're promoting witchcraft with your kids. And you're just like, what are you talking about? It's just make-believe. I know. I had a fight in my own house over it. But ultimately, as Christians, you know, we've got to be very careful about what we encourage. But at the same time, let's not be known for silliness. Is, is the blood of Jesus Christ worried about the kids' movie? No, of course not. Does that mean that we want to encourage our kids to be into this, um, into anything around this? Not in my house, they won't. I remember, uh, what was the name of that water slide place we went to? Great Wolf Lodge, we went there. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be naming these places on the internets, the interwebs. But they were selling all these magic wands and all these kids were going around and they had these electronic stones that if you took your wand to it and you touched it, it made music or it made a thing. And I just remember looking at my wife just like, this is just propaganda. This is just straight spiritual propaganda indoctrinating all these kids into the dark arts. Here comes my kids. Hey, Daddy, can I have one of those things? No. No. Again, that's how they want it to start. They want it to start innocent and they want it to... Um, they want to indoctrinate. Why am I bringing this up and what does it have to do with the text before you thought I went down a real rabbit hole? Just a little bit. What did it say there in verse 10? Or excuse me, verse 9. You shall not learn to follow the abominations. You, you learn it. It's shared. It's enticing. So then I told you that we would talk about mediums, spiritists, or those that call up the dead. There are only two destinations for the human soul, hell or heaven. So what about the ghosts? What about the conjuring? Are human beings still around here? Is there so purgatory? No, absolutely not. Are those things real? Most of the time, no. If you're watching it on TV, they're just wanting to sell advertisement. They just want you there on the tubes to be, oh, yeah, I want to see the next thing after this commercial break. But that being said, there is enough. Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? They just come out of nowhere. So if you have a, a spirit or a conjurer, and let's say that it's not just an old-fashioned con, who is it and who's doing the talking 
And how do they know so much about grandpa? It's a demon. Now, that demon is faking to be grandpa to stumble you in your personal walk or to just play games. Remember, Satan comes to steal, to lie, and destroy and cause sickness and suffering. That's what he wants to do. So he's just causing chaos. And if he can get you to think that you're talking to grandpa, even though he was just watching, his demon was just following grandpa all of his life. That's how he knows all the innermost secrets. The, the enemy is a roaring lion seeking he may devour. He's watching us. He's studying us. He's trying to trap us. He's tempting us. But the Holy Spirit seals us and protects us. That's why we can be so flippant about it. That just means that's why we can be so carefree about it. Because who can pluck us out of our Father's hand? No one. No one. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we are not encouraging or teaching or sharing. These are very important things. All these things are going to happen to the nation of Israel. They're going to be known for all these things. Where does King Saul go? He goes to the witch at Endor. I can always remember that because of Star Wars. He goes to the witch at Endor because he wants to talk to who? Samuel the prophet. Now, I believe, because there's a Bible scholar everywhere that's going to come up to me afterwards and ask me, was the witch, uh, excuse me, Samuel, a demon at that point? No. I believe that is the exception to prove the rule. That the Lord allowed Samuel to come back just the way that he did Moses and Elijah at Mount of Transformation, Transfiguration, excuse me, to come back and to show, like, don't ever do it. And what did, what did Samuel say to Saul? It was not good news. It was, don't do this. Don't do that. If you're going to bring that up later, we can talk about it. I enjoy it. Don't play games with these things, even if they are powerless. Because I was kind of prepping us. There's two sides. There are those that are so scared of everything, they're terrified of Disneyland because it has a magic kingdom. And they are just they want to keep their children away from all of it, and then their kids are like, you're just crazy, and they want to go to the extreme. Then there's the other side that is like, well, we're sealed with the blood of Jesus. Who cares? This is just all a bunch of nonsense anyway. Let's just let the kids go with it and tell our friends about it. Uh, we, we can't be on that boat either because these things are serious. They do lead to, to other things that, that do encompass people. In the New Testament, in the Greek, the word for witchcraft is pharmakia, uh, drug abuse and sorcery. So if you're under the influence of a drug, who's in control of you? It's not the Holy Spirit. So what happens when a Christian is, on, uh, is high on drugs and doesn't have self-control? They don't remember what they did, or maybe they blacked out on alcohol. To this day, I've never read the newspaper. Drunk person helps old lady across the street. Person high on drugs cleans up city streets. They're up for three days. Why not? No, it's always destruction. It's always destruction. Don't play games with these things. Remember, it says, for all who do these things, verse 12, are an abomination to the Lord. It doesn't please him. It's disgusting. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Literally, it is saying here, I'm sending you into the land to wipe these people out because they do these things. Don't learn it and copy them. I'm sending you into the land to wipe these people out. Of every generation, man, woman, and child, so that these things are not known in all of humanity anymore. 
and you're doing it. And this is, this is a crossroad for us as Christians when we realize America is a biblically-based country, was a Christian-founded country, but we are not a Christian nation. I pray every day that we become one. I pray every day. And, ha- and we don't legislate those things. We, we say it over and over. It comes out of our hearts as there's great awakenings in America, and they've been there before. But America's guilty of all these things right now, guilty of all of them, to the murdering of our children, to sorcery, pharmacia, drug abuse, encouraging these things. You can just turn on the television, hopefully not for too long, look at the music we play our children. How is it that we can have movies about slaughtering every person that ever disagrees with us or sexual immorality or music videos with no clothes on or push to people homosexual uh, lifestyles, transgenderism, all this other stuff, and then, and then claim yeah, you know, America is being blessed because of our righteousness. Absolutely not. It's the grace of Jesus. That's what it is. And the faithful remnant. Now, when, we t- when, people, when other pastors go too far and say that we're under certain judgments because of certain things, if we were truly judged for the things that we were allowed, we'd be wiped off the face of the earth. So people need to be care- careful with that too. But, don't, but that doesn't mean the Lord's not going to do it. The book of Revelation says that the wrath of God is going to be poured out of the world for the sins of mankind. So you see how all these things tie together? And that's the cool part. And that's what we're going to see now as we get into a little bit more uplifting conversation. In verses 15 through 19. The Lord your God will raise up for you a capital P prophet like me from your midst. From your brethren... Him you shall hear. According I went, did I go too far? No, fifteen through nine. According to all you, you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. Verse seventeen. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brethren, from among their brethren, and he will put my words in his mouth. Excuse me. And we will and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. Verse 19. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Who is the capital P prophet? He is prophesying about Jesus Christ. The few verses before it are as dark as you can possibly get offering children to the fires of Molech, sorcery, witchcraft, pharmacia, the darkest of dark, and then immediately the Holy Spirit says, but I'm going to send the prophet. I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to send the Lord. I'm going to send the Messiah. Remember what the Bible tells us in the gospel, man loved darkness rather than light, but he is the light, and he came into the world to save us from ourselves. What is What is nastier and darker than the fact that they have to write these laws? That's how fallen humanity is. That we even have to prescribe, hey, don't do that. Oh, I guess I I shouldn't do that. Why is that in our heart? And when they saw Jesus and when people were speaking about Jesus and they were around Jesus, this is the exact text that they began to reference. In John chapter 6, 14, then those men 
when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Speaking of Deuteronomy chapter 18. They, they, they saw the signs. They said, this is him. He's doing it. And we have him. He is our Lord. He says to the disciples the same thing he says to us. I no longer call you servants, but friends. We have fellowship with him. He's filled us with his spirit. He's protected us, sealed us, empowered us with the Holy Spirit to go into all the world and to share the gospel. If you can't connect these dots, I'm going to revoke your priesthood. I'm just kidding. You can't do that. Remember, we are a kingdom of priests sealed by the Lord. To go into this dark world, where these things are, he makes the crooked things straight. He reveals the thoughts and the intentions of, of his heart through the word, our hearts, through the word of God. And we begin to connect. Oh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, John chapter 6. Oh, the curses that come. What's happening in the United States today? What's happening in my family? What's going to happen with the tribulation that is to come? God had a specific time when the judgment of the Amorites and the Philistines and all the ites in that area, and it was going to come that Israel was going to come over the Jordan and he was going to stop it. He was going to stop the infant children from being slaughtered for their own pleasure. He was going to stop the sorcery, the soothsaying, the pharmacia, and then he was going to set up a temple in the middle of that place and they were going to worship him, but they wouldn't do it because they couldn't keep the law. But the Lord knew that. And so from the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, he always knew that he was going to send his son to go into the world, to come to us because we couldn't come to him, to go on a cross on a hill right outside of that very same town to give his life as a ransom for many. And he, what did he say? Remember 1 Corinthians, remember Galatians, remember what we're learning? He said, it's good that I go away because I'm going to send you a helper. All the dots, they're all connecting. The whole book is speaking of Jesus and what we have in him. And we're walking in fulfillment of that every day. And so the helper came and filled us with the spirit to go into all the world. And here we are on another continent they never even knew existed. Two millennia later. And he's coming back. But what about, what about all these other people that think they have other ways to God? What about all these people that talk about God? What about all these other people and all their other ideas? Well, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because now we've got to read verses 20 through 22. But the prophet, lowercase p, who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if anything does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. There are many prophets, and there are many cults, and they all claim to speak for God, but to a T, proclamations or prophecies or doctrines that are not true, we're not afraid of them. Interesting fact, it is predicted 
that by 2050, Islam will overcome Christianity as the most popular religion on the face of the earth. I don't care if Christianity is the smallest religion on the face of the earth. God is God and he sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases because the truth is true. The king is the king. We know that from the days of Noah, popularity doesn't affect truth. We're not to be afraid of that. We're not to be afraid of the things of this world because what can separate us from the love of God? Can trial or tribulation or so? No, nothing can separate us from the love of God. In the New Testament, we saw tremendous persecution against the truth of God. And that's when it grew the fastest and the farthest. So we're not afraid of any of these things. But we do need to test the spirits, the Bible says, whether they are from God. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, we test these spirits. They must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If the spirit can confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all creation and through him is salvation alone, then it's, then it's good to go. Anything aside from that, oh, Jesus is a God. Jesus is a teacher. Jesus is important. Jesus is all. No. No. Not good enough. Fail. False prophet. Now, what does the nation of Israel do with these words, these beautiful words from Deuteronomy 18? There is not a real prophet in the Bible that Israel did not torture, kill, murder, enslave, throw down a well, chase off. And then what did the kings do? They surround themselves with false prophets. In the days of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was thrown down a well. He was telling them that the enemies are going to come. They're going to overtake Jerusalem. And then it happened. But all the false prophets said, nope, everything's going to be great. They were the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers of that day. <laughs> oh, yeah, then God's going to deliver us once again. No, they're not, Jeremiah said. Oh, you're a traitor. You're a filthy traitor. How do you say those things? But he was right. And then he had some of the most beautiful texts there in Lamentations at the destruction of Israel that God was going to bring them back in the land, that God was going to restore his people, that God was going to bring the Messiah. And every single thing that he said happened. The days of Isaiah, the same. And all of the prophets that they claimed were heretics, that they claimed were false prophets, the later generations would say, oh, we're followers of Jeremiah and Isaiah. We're followers of them. And then John the Baptist would come, same thing. And then when the Messiah himself came, same thing. There, what am I trying to tell us all? There is nothing new under the sun. Seek out the Lord through his holy word, the deep things of him. Be like that Levite, the priest, in the beginning of this chapter. Set your mind on the things of God and dedicate wherever you go, wherever God leads you, in your career, in your retirement, in your youth, in your age. Dedicate yourself to God. Wherever he goes, you can serve him. You can seek him. Because when we're in the kingdom, none of this stuff is going to matter. None of it. But we go through a dark world, and we live in a dark place where dark things are happening. We need to be careful. We need to be clear. Don't learn the things of the dark nation, of the enemy. And then always be looking for the capital prophet. Where is Jesus in the midst of this? What is Jesus doing? Where, does, where is he going? How can I follow him and what is he doing? Remember here, we want to stoke a passion for people to seek after the Lord themselves. To desire his word. To want to live according to his word. We can make a bunch of religious rules. 
I can pass out cotton candy every Sunday and big steaks, and we'll fill this place to the brim. But if we're not seeking after the Lord, it's a waste of time. You'll just be a a bunch of fat corpses in the grave. We want to have a real relationship with God. That's what we're after. Well, this evening, we're going to be praying. We have a lot of things to pray for. Pray for healings. We've had some in the fellowship that have come through surgery, some that are recovering from illness and sickness. We need to be praying for those that are in authority according to God's word. We need to be praying for the the peace of Jerusalem, as the Bible tells us. We need to be interceding for one another. And then we need to be waiting on the Lord, on his spirit, if he decides to exercise gifts here this evening. Lord, we want to be obedient to you. I know one thing, you've led us here tonight. You've led us here tonight, and we just want to give ourselves to you. We want to be living sacrifices, but we can't do that. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, Lord. And so we do pray for a fresh filling of your Spirit. We pray that your Word would be written on the tablets of our heart, that it would burn inside of us, Lord, that you would use us as lights in a dark world to speak the truth in love. In Jesus' name, amen.